today on CityCast Denver. Growing up, I always heard about Annie Oakley, the cowgirl from the Wild West. But who I wish my history classes were teaching me about instead was Rattlesnake Kate, Colorado's very own badass Wild West woman. Musician Neela Pekarik apparently felt the same way and ended up writing and recording a whole concept album in 2019 about the legend of Kate Slaughterback and how she got her nickname. She saw just one snake, then two, then ten, pulled out a twenty-two rifle and the massacre began. Before too long she had no bullets left, grabbed a sign right out of the ground and clobbered them to death. Neela's album, Rattlesnake, was her solo debut after she left the Lumineers, a Grammy-nominated act she had toured the world with for eight years. And since then, it's turned into something way bigger than the album. Playing now at the DCPA is Rattlesnake Kate, the musical. Neela joins me today to talk about the album, the musical adaptation, and why the legend of Rattlesnake Kate got so stuck in her head. Today is Tuesday, February 8th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Bree, I feel like we have like a bazillion mutual friends. I know. We're actually like met. And we grew up here and we, we've never met. It's so yeah. wild. Yeah, but you're such a celeb. So what an oh, <laughs> You are. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, Anila Pekarik, welcome to CityCast Denver. Thank you so much for having me. Before we jump in, I just want to explain what the legend is surrounding Kate Slaughterback or Rattlesnake Kate, because she apparently killed 140 rattlesnakes by herself in 1925 when she came across a rattlesnake migration near her farm on the Eastern Plains. And what is most wild to me is that she did this while her three-year-old was with her on her horse. And I guess the legend is that she even collected all the skins later and turned them into a dress, which exists. We've seen it. But let's back up and start with who Rattlesnake Kate is. Can you tell me what kind of a person she was? I think the best way to sum her up, which is hard to do, is to describe her as unconventional. Um, you know, she was really tough and really outspoken and she didn't really worry about how that had consequences. And so like she was a woman who was married and divorced six times and, Whoa. um, <laughs> you know, and at the time, like she, she was a person that lived from like the early 1900s, um, into the sixties and it just wasn't heard of very often. It's not heard of very often today to have six marriages and six divorces, but, yeah, unconventional. I think she really, um, she was exactly who she was, uh, authentically herself at whatever cost. So in reading and researching her, do you think that these these stories about her are, are true? <laughs> like, <laughs> I would love to believe all these stories are true. I mean, what happened with the rattlesnakes is between her and her horse and her three-year-old son. Those are the only <laughs> witnesses to the story. But she did have 140 rattlesnake skins that she was photographed with. Um, whether it took her two hours and, you know, the way she killed them, which the legend says she shot what bullets she had and then she grabbed a no hunting sign from the ground and clobbered the rest. Wow. I'm just going to take her word for it. I'm into that. um, (laughs) Yeah, I I imagine um, it's hard to to wrap your brain around that. So I understand if people have some like, ah, 
did that really happen? <laughs> yeah, but we hear a lot of stories in history about men doing much wilder things. And I have to say, as a new mom, I can't imagine the things that she faced out on the plains as a mom with a kid. And um, yeah. I'm going to choose to believe it, too. <laughs> it totally. pretty I mean, incredible. even just keeping a three-year-old still on a horse I, I, for two hours. like that's, <laughs> Without all the modern middle. conveniences we have, I'm like, this woman was probably amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's my thought, too. And I know that you sort of discovered her story um, when you were in college, right? And and here you are all these years later creating an entire work. You, you created an entire work of art around her and then grew it into this even bigger piece of art. What was it about Rattlesnake Kate that said to you, I want to make an entire record about this person? <laughs> yeah, as you said, I, I discovered her around my college years. Uh, I went to school up in Greeley at University of Northern Colorado. And at the Greeley Historical Museum, they have her iconic rattlesnake dress on display. And she just kind of got like stuck in my soul. And it was one of those stories that I brought it up at every chance I could get. I dressed up as her for Halloween. And I just thought about her a lot. And, you know, in the back of my mind, it was just one of those things that was always like, why does nobody know this story? And So it wasn't until many years later, um, around 2015, I was on a break um, from my touring schedule with the Lumineers, and I had downtime and creativity flowing and just kind of started writing songs without a lot of intention. I just knew um, I couldn't stop thinking about her, and I kind of had to write this material. Um, And as I learned more about the storytelling it just felt like it, the medium lent itself so well to a song cycle, concept album kind of thing. Um, but in a dream world, I would have loved for it to become a musical. On my face, Rocky Mountain, send a chill down my spine. I took my cold clothes and track And then that dream world happened. <laughs> Here we are. It's really like out of hand. Um, yeah, it's it's really surreal because I, you know, I've been telling people like I kept describing this project early on. And I knew like I knew how to make a record, go into the studio, write and record songs and like go on the road. That was what I had been doing for a long time. Um, and I knew I loved musicals, but I didn't know like how, how that gets put together at all. It turns out I, I do have that skill set. <laughs> I just like <laughs> horrible imposter syndrome. But, no, I'm like, uh, you've done some pretty <laughs> incredible things. So I, I'm I'm not surprised that you acclimated immediately and were like, oh, I can also apply this, you know, the brain that I use, the, the parts of my brain that I use to create a concept album into something that's more of a fuller picture of this character and this person. Yeah. I know that it's not necessarily similar, but you have been a musician in the world where woman comes before your name a lot. And I mm-hmm. wonder if you aligned or, or saw yourself represented at all in Kate's story as you were putting this work together. 
Yeah, Kate was really inspiring for me because I'm not like Kate. I really care <laughs> if I upset people. <laughs> and I'm like a people pleaser by nature. And so what really like sparked a lot of this project was reading through these letters she had written and kind of hearing her voice. Um, I felt some parallels in terms of just feeling like unseen and unheard and misunderstood at times that I think a lot of women feel. Um, and like she didn't totally fit in, in in a man's world. And I think I've experienced a lot of that in the music industry and especially being in a band that I was in for a long time with a lot of men. Yeah. And um, so really, I mean, I, I don't think we're super alike, but I felt very inspired to be more like her. And one of her catchphrases she always said was, I'm the boss of me. And that's been like my mantra. <laughs> like, I'm the boss of me. No is a complete sentence. <laughs> I love that though, and when so, you can yeah. you can find something in someone else's experience that's like motivating to you, you know? Yeah. And I, I think something that my um uh my script writing partner, Karen Hartman, has has pointed out is we also both like Rattlesnake Kate and I have this odd relationship to fame that like we rose to fame very quickly. Um kind of out of nowhere. Like I didn't grow up in, you know, I grew up in Denver and like my dad was a mailman. And then overnight it was like people, you know, we were on TV and that kind of thing. And I think Rattlesnake Kate sort of had that that experience. And because it was so fast and like life altering, um, it was a lot of like, she, I think she grappled with it in, in a strange way. And I do as well sometimes that, um, you know, it's been a few years since I left the band and a lot of that um, just kind of anonymity that's come since then, or just some of the privacy that I've gotten mm. back, I, I really appreciate. And I think um, I understand that she was kind of the same, that she chose to live out in rural Colorado for a reason. Um, and she was kind of uh, had a re- an odd relationship to the fame she experienced. Yeah. And and being able to give yourself some space to breathe. And like you're saying, take, take a step back from something that was sort of rushed on you you know something yeah, we don't yeah, think not, about it's like oh right, it's really not to ex- sound ungrateful no and I don't think you sound ungrateful <laughs> at all I think that's just the reality that we don't talk about with a lot of folks is like if you all of a sudden are under the microscope it's exciting of course I of course I'd want to tour the world and play music for people that sounds wonderful but also it comes at a cost which a lot of times is privacy so, yeah and just sort of your identity gets summed up by something that you don't always have control over yeah and that's interesting because this is that story, this woman and her lore, but also how she maybe just moved through the world. Yeah, exactly. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. Something interesting about this production is that Kate is played by three different actors um, with different backgrounds, different ages. Why do you think that was important to this story? Yeah, we we talked a lot about from the very beginning of, of portraying Kate with three different women. And part of that is, you know, we're covering the lifespan of 71 years 
And part of it was uh, a little bit logistical in that I am obsessed with barbershop quartets and those kinds of <laughs> harmonies. And it's like, um, it, it's all over my record. And I really wanted that sonically in the musical as well. And so the three Kates singing together, the fourth harmony, I'm singing um, as Rattlesnake Kate's horse, Brownie, <laughs> her, her noble steed. <laughs> I'm so delighted that uh, we're, we're portraying her this way because not only do you get to just play with lots of different colors and voices in the in the singing part of things, but um, you know there's so much depth that an actor can bring if they've experienced a lot more life and so much youth um, and excitement that perhaps a younger actor brings. And and you know women are dynamic, yeah. <laughs> and so and certainly Rattlesnake Kate was dynamic, and so having women that, uh, you know, bring so many different things to the table. It's been really a joy to watch. And I'm thinking about, oh, gosh, in the movie of my life, it would be kind of awesome to have multiple <laughs> yeah, people right? <laughs> play you because you were so many different things. We've been, you know, we're so many different things through our lifetimes. Totally, totally. And, you know, I think a lot about the the roles that are women that are written for women of a certain age and yeah. um, really wanting to write this this story true where, I mean, Rattlesnake Kate, she got into bar fights like well into her 60s. <laughs> it was like dancing on bars in her rattlesnake dress, uh, you know, well, well into her life. And so I think, you know, there's so much life left to be talked about with women. And um, we don't always have stories written about that. So it's really awesome to get to write this third part of Kate's life and, and have awesome actors portray it. Well, Neela, thank you so much for talking with me today. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. So lovely. All the music you heard in this interview is from Neela's 2019 record, Rattlesnake, which served as the basis for the DCPA's musical adaptation, Rattlesnake Kate. I'll drop links in the show notes where you can find more from Neela's record and where you can buy tickets to the musical. what else is happening in Denver today. After talking to Colorado Newsline reporter Chase Woodruff yesterday about the upheaval at Douglas County Schools, we checked in with Nada Altman and Ishmi Kalra. They're the parents I spoke with last summer who were involved in crafting the equity policy that the new conservative school board majority is so keen on changing. There is a resolution that was uh, that was already passed that sort of minimized uh, the action of that uh, policy, but the policy was still in place. What is very frustrating is that you can talk to anyone. No one can pinpoint what they don't like about the policy. What the policy is just saying is that we are going to take action to really do preventive work and create a culture where we value and accept our differences. Ishmi and Nada were so upset about the conservative majority's effort to oust superintendent-wise that they joined the protesters outside in 20-degree weather last Thursday. 
It's it's been a I think an emotional roller coaster. Uh, Ish and I went together to the rally that happened on uh, Thursday, and uh, we were both crying. There were maybe a thousand, two thousand people, maybe more around the Wilcox uh, building, which is the main administration building for Douglas uh, County. It wasn't just teachers, you know. There was a lot of students there. There were a lot of parents there supporting teachers and staff and students. There were community members. And, um, you know, that is the ray of hope that I feel like, um, uh, like our community wants. You know, they want to uh, not be fighting this tug of war politically and to see the pride flag and the American flag and all the signs. Um, uh, one of them was, uh, you know, it's so bad that even the introverts are out here. And that really, really spoke to me because um, I truly am an introvert. And from somebody who's an immigrant, I can tell you, it was a powerful, powerful um, memory that I'm going to hold on to. Nada lives in Denver now, but she was upset enough to drive down to Douglas County last week, in part because of how much she appreciates Superintendent Wise's impact on the district. So what you see happening in Douglas County is really, if you look at the election result maps, there's a huge clash and a progression towards inclusivity, towards a, a different vision of the future, and the old that sort of doesn't understand it. So what Corey Wise was doing, which we have a lot of disagreements with him as well, he was bringing that community sort of together. We wanted to, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's push this forward. And he was not, we have to bring it together. So that's what's so disheartening is that they just they just couldn't see it. And they, they didn't even give him a chance of, of showing that. So that's where I think uh, students will lose the most because he was that vocal voice, even though not as loud as we would have liked, but, but he was working towards that process and, and, and acknowledging everyone's fear and, and bringing people together in that, in the rhythm that the community could go. So now, so now we're not going there anymore. Where is the community going? One of the things, for example, they were um, upset about were the new CDE social study standards. And they were kind of blaming Corey Weiss for it, but that's not how it works. It's not Corey Weiss's job or a superintendent's job to change those standards. We must adhere to those standards that are um, coming down from the state. And to blame a superintendent for that is um, is naive at best and maligned at, you know, the worst. And um, I think that's what um, scares me is, um, you know, people who may not understand what their job is as elected officials um, uh, making some of these decisions. That was really, really like jaw dropping to me. I don't know where it's going to go, but um, it's um, pretty apparent that it's going to be turbulent. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. To all of our new listeners, hello and welcome. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter, which you can find at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you later.
hate slaughterback or rattle Kate rattle kate snake i knew that was gonna happen at some point it's my new band rattle kate snake 